Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us at the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're continuing our exploration of London. The capital of England is home to some of the world's most famous museums and churches. In this episode, we're going to take you to a landmark museum two inspiring churches, and we may have a few other things that we did sprinkled into the discussion today. So we're here to share the experiences from our recent trip, and we hope to provide you with ideas of places to visit and things to do next time you find yourself in London. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and get the show on the road. Okay, so our first museum that we're going to talk about is the Victoria and Albert Museum. It's also known as the V&A Museum. It is a incredible destination, especially if you love art, all kinds of art. Do you love art, Julie? I adore art. Okay, just checking. <laughs> it has applied arts, decorative arts, and design. And if you enjoy visiting museums, this is a must-stop. The permanent collection of the V&A Museum has over 2.27 million objects. You can't see them all. That's amazing. Yeah. And they don't display that many at the same time. I'm sure there's some rotating displays. They also have several locations in London. And we stopped at the large museum located in South Kensington, which you'll find on the southern border of Hyde Park. The museum is open seven days a week, and the entry is free, believe it or not. Although there may be some special charges for special exhibits. I don't think there was a special exhibit when we were there. Yeah. I didn't notice it. If there was, we didn't catch it, and there was so much of the free stuff. Oh my to keep gosh. us busy, yeah, well, we, and, and we and just on. scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is actually seven miles of inspiring galleries to explore. Inside is a mammoth collection of really fine furniture, beautiful paintings, very, very interesting photography. There's architecture, there's manuscripts, books, and much more than we can even list here. Inside, we explored several exhibits over the few hours that we spent there. We saw art with religious themes, including paintings, statues, and intricately carved pieces, some of them very, very large. There was exquisite furniture, and for you, there was musical instruments. I enjoy them also, but I think they have a special place in your heart. Absolutely. They had a harpsichord from 1574 that was made for the Strozzi family and wall art that may have been in the homes of the very rich and influential. 
One of the most popular exhibits at the V&A Museum is their fashion gallery that showcases a collection of clothing and accessories from different eras. It's a favorite among fashion enthusiasts, showcasing pieces from iconic designers such as Alexander McQueen and Christian Dior. Another popular exhibit is the British Galleries, which explores the history of British design from the Tudor period to the present day. That exhibit features furniture, ceramics, textiles, and um, showcases the evolution of British style over the centuries. And the V&A's collection of sculptures has always been a highlight for visitors, from ancient Greek and Roman statues to contemporary works. There's diverse pieces for anybody who loves antiquities. There is this one section that we were on like a second floor looking down, and there were these massive columns. They looked like the columns that we saw in Rome. And I'm forgetting the name of the place... I want to say the forum. I don't it's know if that's forum. right. It's the forum. And, and yeah. some of these columns have intricate design on it that are actually telling a they story. Kind of spiral and they spiral around. up. Yeah. It's really cool. So there's at least one of those there. These sculptures and pieces, I assume they were from Rome and they were just mammoth in size. You could also walk on the floor at the bottom too and look up. Yeah. So it's, it's it's really nice room to be in. Yeah. So one of the things I enjoy seeing at museums is when they have them are photography exhibits, and there turned out that there was a room or a place at the V&A where they had a photography exhibit. So we made our way there. We made our way. We almost made it into the door. We're looking at the display of cameras on the outside of the door, and all of a sudden, you got nabbed. Yeah, well, you had me pose for a photo. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And somebody walked up and said, uh, you can't have that in yeah. the museum. So I was, holding, a- I was holding my iPhone on a stick right. and it had the microphone on top. And I, th- I think you thought it would be interesting to have me with that camera in front of the display of all the vintage cameras. Right, right. And while you thought that was interesting and fun, the security guard did not. I and- don't know if she was just, I, I don't know if she was security, but... Yeah, but so, nobody said anything prior to that. And we no. were wandering around for a long time yeah. before that. And, and I usually make a point of asking if photography is okay, video is okay. I don't remember when we entered this space. Maybe I didn't do that. But my microphone and my stand for the iPhone were banished. So we put those away somewhere. And from that point on, it was just holding the, uh, the iPhone camera in my hand. Just know if you go to the V&A Museum and if you want to... Uh, Capture some memories of your own. You may want to check at the front desk to see what is allowed when you are there. But we did make our way to the photography exhibit that included scenes from the American Depression of the late 1920s. There were studies on sunlight and a few interesting photographs. Mm-hmm. So that was, always enjoy looking at those. Right. So roughly, we'll try to tell you how long we were there. Of course, everybody has their own pace. But with over 145 galleries spread across seven floors, plan at least for a half a day to explore the V&A Museum. I think you need half a month. Well, yeah, Yeah. maybe so. There's a lot of stuff. However, with its vast collection and ever-changing exhibits, you can always go back and spend more time. Yes, I think just to suffice it to say there's more 
to see than you can even get like in a single day. So it, that this is a multi-day visit, especially if you really enjoy museums. Yes, yeah. and, and if you're like us, I mean, I think London's going to be one of those places we will go to multiple times. So yep. we'll see more. So a little bit about its history. The Victoria and Albert Museum was founded in 1852 and initially named the South Kensington Museum. The museum was renamed to its current name in 1899 after Queen Victoria laid the foundation stone for a new building. His Majesty, King Edward VII, King of Great Britain, opened the building on June 26, 1909. The museum is a doozy. It's immense. It looks magnificent. We felt like we just scraped the surface of our two-hour visit there it's one of the most spectacular museums we have ever visited, and its scale alone is so impressive. The building is impressive. It's, it's really one of those gems of London. So we recommend put the V&A Museum on your list, and as Julie, as you mentioned, it is free. So mm-hmm. it's a fantastic thing. Moving on from museums, now we're going to turn our attention to a couple of churches and during our first visit to London, and we have a few podcasts about these stops as well, we did stop at Westminster Abbey, which many, many tourists have on their list when they visit mm-hmm. London. We also stopped at St. Paul's Cathedral. And when we made that stop, we were privileged to hear this fantastic organ concert. Those are probably the two most popular churches in the city. But on this most recent trip, we explored a couple of new churches to us that impressed us beyond our expectations. Starting out our Sunday morning one day, we stopped for porridge first at Hammersmith Station in London before heading out to Sunday morning mass at the Brompton Oratory. And this church was recommended to me by an acquaintance of mine who spends a bit of time in London, and he said, hey, next time you're there, you have to go to Brompton Oratory, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure glad we did. Thank you, Stephen. We arrived early and decided to stay nearby and wait until it got closer to the 11 a.m. church service, which is the one we plan to attend. And we started heading towards the back of the church building, thinking that we might find some place to sit. And just as we turned the corner to go back around the church, perhaps looking a bit that we were somewhat lost or in an unfamiliar place, a young lady named Elise approached us and started talking to us. Sweet young lady. Oh my gosh, she was so immensely friendly, so sweet. She kind of took you in right away because she was so sweet. She began telling us about the church, saying, I go to church here too, and you came on the right day, and there's going to be a festival after church service with lots of food and lots of stuff happening. Sounded exciting. Oh, we were like, yes, that sounds awesome. And that's when I said, hey, you know, when we travel, we, we often struggle to find ourselves a Latin mass, yada, 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 and then she pauses and says, oh, if you want the Latin mass, that's at the church next door. <laughs> so just behind the London Oratory, where we were going to attend Mass, is the Holy Trinity Brompton, which is an Anglican denomination church. They're the ones that had the fun festival. We sorted it all out. Yes, we saw it, said it, and sorted it. 
And then we hung out in the park area behind the church because we had a little bit of time to kill. So happy to meet Elise, though. She was very Yeah, sweet. Elise was, was wonderful. Yeah. So if you're looking for a friendly church person, hit up Elise at the Holy Trinity <laughs> Brompton. <laughs> but 15 minutes before Mass, we did end up heading inside the Brompton Oratory. And let us tell you a few things about this church. Brompton Oratory, also known as the Church of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, is a stunning architectural masterpiece in South Kensington. This Roman Catholic church draws visitors worldwide with its beautiful Baroque style and its rich history. If you enjoy looking at impressive church architecture, you'll definitely want to plan a stop here. Inside, you'll see breathtaking design and an amazing interior. The elaborate marble columns and stunning frescoes make the church a must-see for any art or architecture enthusiast. Additionally, the Brompton Oratory has an active music program hosting regular concerts and performances by renowned choirs and orchestras. We listen to choral music on the Sunday at 11 a.m., solemn Latin church service, and the sound was, it was just beautiful, absolutely. choir was just heavenly and when they started singing we felt we could reach out and touch the note i, I don't know how to explain that any other way but that's yeah. that's how it felt the reverberation yeah. was phenomenal the sound of this choir was magnificent it yes. just yeah if if you enjoy a reverent type of service that has polyphony just uh, fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah. We did find this 11 a.m. solemn Latin mass as somewhat of a hybrid between a traditional Latin mass. If you're listening, if you've ever been to that, most people have not. But kind of a, a mix between that and the modern, what is new called? Mass. They call it the new mass. Yeah, or the Novus, Novus Ordo. Ordo. Yeah. Though I, I thought it kind of leaned more toward that older Tridentine style. We kind of went back and forth about that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I thought it did that. You thought it did a little bit of the other. Mm -hmm. So it was somewhere in the middle. I did find out afterwards, and I missed this somehow, that the London Oratory also, they do offer the traditional Latin Mass on Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're an early bird and want to have that experience, that's also available there. Right. I don't know if the uh, choral music was going to be anywhere near what we heard. And that's probably why I picked this other one, yeah. because I think when I was looking at the information, there was some specific information about the choral music, song, mm -hmm. mass, mm -hmm. and I'm glad we were able to, yeah. to hear that. And when we were inside this church, it reminded me so much of some of these larger churches and basilicas that we visited in Rome. So if you've ever been to Rome and... In those basilicas, the statues are immense. The spaces are immense. And this church is somewhat reminiscent of that. Many side altars. 
I thought it was one of the best masses we could have attended while traveling, a very beautiful Catholic church service. The Brompton Oratory was founded in 1884 by Father Frederick William Faber, who wanted to create a grand church in London that would rival the great cathedrals of Europe, and I think he succeeded. This church's construction took over a decade with multiple architects and designers that were involved in bringing Faber's vision to life. Today, the Brompton Oratory stands as a testament to the dedication and talent of its creators and If you enjoy churches, this one is a gem in London. Now we're hungry, though. Yes, after the 11 a.m. Mass, our stomach said, feed us, please. We're hungry. So we began to search for a light lunch. Even, you know, we we were hungry, but a light lunch was fine for us. And we came by somewhere called the Kensington Crepery. It is a charming, cozy cafe It's located in the heart of Kensington. The Kensington area was getting packed on a Sunday afternoon at lunch hour, so we were happy to find seating at this crepery um, inside. It was a warm day, too, so it was nice to find some seating on the inside. And this crepery was hustling and bustling. There was many people. It's known for its sweet and savory crepes. The menu includes traditional French crepes with sweet fillings like Nutella and strawberries, or savory options like ham, cheese, and mushrooms, and so much more. We both had crepes, which were of the buckwheat variety. Mine was like a ratatouille with eggplant and zucchini, and Arts had sautéed spinach, cheddar, and tomato. And you seem to enjoy it. I do enjoy a savory crepe. We we don't do those very often. No, no, and it was very good. And the buckwheat crepe was really good, too. Mm -hmm. So that was a nice place to... Get filled up, get something to drink, and move on to the next place. I think on this afternoon, we just had some random exploration that we were going to do. But one of the things that we filled a little bit of time with was, and I think we mentioned part of this on the last episode, or one of the last episodes, that Julie wanted a dress. Yeah, so, you wanted to find one, that's why. Yes, yeah, so we wandered the local area, hoofing our way down the streets, looking for dress shops, Took us a while to find things. We did come across a mall area, and we stopped in at least two stores, mm-hmm. and those didn't quite work out for you. No. They were either too hot, too long, too poofy, too much <laughs> lining, or the fabric just wasn't right. So we were looking for the Goldilocks dress. So there was there would be no dress purchased on this particular afternoon. I think you'll have to stay tuned to see if we ever did find you a dress. Mm. But... When we exited the mall, we looked across the street, saw this huge building, and one of us must have noticed. Me, I noticed. It was Julie. Yeah, you could, because your eyes. Yeah, your eyes are probably better than mine for a distance, or you had your glasses on. I always have my glasses on. Yeah. So Latin inscription. What is that? So we wandered over there. Had no idea what this building was, and it turned out to be the Westminster Cathedral, which I had not heard of before. No, it was something we just stumbled yeah. upon. And it's not your average cathedral, too. And, it looked very different. Yeah, and not to be confused with a Westminster Abbey. Correct. Two different places. Yeah. Right. This is the mother church of the Catholic Church of England and Wales. Wikipedia, when we looked it up, says it's the 38th largest Catholic church in the world. So it was, it was a great find. Mm-hmm. I was like really glad we... Uh, 
decide to cross the street and go see it because his architecture was uniquely Byzantine architecture and very colorful mosaics that made it stand out among all the other buildings that surrounded it. We went inside and we admired this intricate marble designs and the stunning stained glass windows that were inside of the church's interior. It also housed an impressive collection of artwork and relics, including paintings by notable artists such as William Morris and Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Around the cathedral are numerous side altars, and in addition to its beautiful architecture and artwork, Westminster Cathedral also has a very rich history. It was the first Catholic cathedral built in England after the Reformation, opening its doors in 1903. The cathedral also served as a place of refuge during World War II, with its crypts used as shelter for those seeking safety from the air raids. The cathedral houses several saint relics, and it holds the remains of St. John Southworth, a Catholic martyr executed during the reign of King James II. His remains are kept in the chapel of St. George and the English martyrs inside his cathedral. A bit of history... In 1895, the cathedral was dedicated to the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is referenced by a Latin dedication above the portal arch, and that's the inscription that got our attention when we saw the church building from across the street. Westminster Cathedral opened in 1903, but due to the laws of the Catholic Church of that time, was not officially consecrated for another seven years on June 28, 1910. And we did learn about a few historic events that have taken place at this cathedral. In May of 1982, Pope John Paul II celebrated Mass at this location. On St. Andrew's Day, November 30th, 1995, Queen Elizabeth was present at Choral Vespers, and this marked the first participation of the Queen in a Roman Catholic church in Great Britain. So that was a notable event. And another pope celebrated Mass here just 13 years ago in 2010, and that's when Pope Benedict XVI visited. And in recent times, during the COVID pandemic and the banning of public celebrated Mass, then Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Carrie Simmons were wed at the cathedral. Westminster Cathedral is another London church that we somehow missed on our first visit to London. But the London Oratory, which we mentioned earlier, and Westminster Cathedral are probably the biggest and most opulent Catholic churches in London. If you're looking for a reverent Catholic church experience in London, or if you just enjoy visiting churches for their architecture, for their history, we recommend visiting both the London Oratory, which I believe also goes by Brompton Oratory, and Westminster Cathedral. So those are our stops on this episode. We have more on the way. Before we close, I did want to make mention, if um, you're not subscribed yet, to give a think about subscribing to our newsletter. We publish it once a week, and we highlight travel news from the United States, national parks, global news, travel tips, and there's always a few more things. And just to give you a flavor of one of the things you might learn This will be coming out in the next newsletter update. We learned that Princess Cruises, for those of you who like to cruise, they are eliminating last-minute discounts. 
If you think that you can get a better deal by waiting till it gets close to cruise time, which has been a strategy, we've come across people who have used that, you will no longer be able to play that game with Princess Cruises. Instead, Princess is now focusing on offering the best deals to customers who book their vacations well in advance. This new approach responds to the increasing consumer demand and will reward those who secure their cruises early. They're also introducing a best price guarantee to reinforce their commitment to this new pricing model, assuring customers that they'll match any lower price for the same cruise and stateroom category. So, Julie, we've been talking about booking a trip to Japan, yes. doing a cruise. Mm-hmm. We may have to have that discussion sooner than sooner later. Sooner than later. To Great see. tip, though. So there's an, an example of a tip that could save you money, perhaps hundreds of dollars, and the subscription to the newsletter is for free. You'll find a link in the show notes to subscribe, and we hope that you do. So stay tuned for our next London podcast. There's a lot more coming. In the meantime, though, if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts and catch up on our future episodes. Join us next time as we bring you more stories from our travel adventures in London. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. And until next time, happy travels, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.